Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. So this morning, um, thanks, man. This morning, the theme is what are we waiting for? Now, of course, we just heard that Rod and Cheryl have been waiting for such a long time to go on their dream holiday, and they finally got to do it. How exciting is that? Um, have you ever been in one of those lines at the supermarket or wherever it might be, Bunnings or maybe you're reaching in a car line at some time and there's a few queues going on. You ever been in those ones where you're in the one that's the slowest? You ever been in the slow lane and you think to yourself, what on earth is going on? Like, and you're looking past the tall people in front of you going, what's going on at the cash register? And you're seeing the line next to you going, and then so after waiting for ages patiently you decide you're just going to jump on this one because that's going quicker and you move the you ever done that? and then something goes on it's like when you're driving on the M1 you know and you, you really want to get somewhere and you're in the slow lane and you look at the head and it looks like it's just the slow semi trailer you know and you think this one's going real quick and you get across, and then suddenly you realise that it's because there was a left turn lane, you know, and you're like, oh, now I'm going to get back in there and 12 cars go past and get back. And I think what often happens is you just, it's the luck of the draw, and you can't get it right ever. I don't know anybody who can ever get that one right. And we change, and we swap, and we change, and we get, have you ever, have you ever got to the point, Tom, you get to the cash register eventually, Hey, you're so frustrated, you almost don't even want to buy nothing. No, I'm done. Maybe it's a guy. <laughs> I don't know, but I can tell you what, there have been times when I've been so frustrated. And I don't know why. You know, it's not like I don't have a whole bunch of stuff at home. You know, like I've got all these gadgets at home. I've got a garage full of stuff. I've got, probably got a fridge full of food. And I've probably only got three items. But like, how important is that? And I get all frustrated because... At the moment, when all that's happening, the only thing I can think about is what's in my, in my trouble. That's it. It's what I want and I want it now. You ever been in a situation? I think in life, we can be a bit like that. It's, it's, we've got to focus on something. And maybe it is our big dream. Maybe it's the one thing that we've been waiting for. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the prayer that we've been praying all these things. Maybe it's the thing we've been believing in all this time that we've, we've got this thing, this focus on this thing that we've been trying to go on for forever. You ever had those experiences where you're just throwing something up to go and it's like, seems to be bouncing off the walls, you know, bouncing off the ceiling and coming back and everything else. And maybe you've got a neighbor, you've got a best friend who's got it all happening for you. You, know? you ever had one of those friends who just happens to land on their feet? Maybe it's a sibling, <laughs> sibling rivalry. You know, and, and they, maybe you are the one. Yeah, land on your feet, get the dream job, get the dream house, get the dream, dream suburb, you know. All the things that happen, you get the dream holiday, just land on your feet, you know. Well, that's what it looks like. Generally, to a person who's looking on, it looks like this person just landed on their feet, everything fell into place. And we're in Struggle Street, we can't get our dreams, we can't get our promises fulfilled. And, 
And it seems like we're in this endless cycle of waiting. You ever felt like that? I think most of us, if we're honest, will have times. If, if it's not right now, we'll have seasons of our life where that's kind of our reality. Where we've got something. Well, maybe it's everything. For some people, it's kind of like everything is tough. You know, maybe we need to be like that, that kids program, that kids movie, and everything is awesome. Just have that mantra. Everything is awesome. I think Wayne's a bit like that. It's like, everything is awesome. Because it's always like, ah, when you're talking about everything, you know, it's like, come on. And uh, it's always smiling, always got a good thing to say. And I think sometimes we need to be a bit like that. But here's our reality, is that there are times when the waiting is actually excruciating. Because what we're waiting for sometimes is really, well, for us, it's really important. Maybe it's the salvation of a loved one that we're waiting for. That's really important. Maybe, um, maybe it's breakthrough, like Sheikh was, you know, it's a healing. Maybe the healing that we really, really need. You know, maybe if we don't get the healing, we're going to die. Or maybe if we don't get the job improvement situation, we're not going to be able to pay our bills. You know, there's a whole lot of really important things. You know, it's not like a shopping trolley where you've got a fridge full of stuff already and you just want to come by and just really frustrate. I mean, there's that kind of way. But then there's another kind of way where we're actually waiting for that thing. You know, some people are waiting for uh, the circumstances to change in a relationship. You know, you, we're waiting for so many things. And then, of course, you might have one of those friends, maybe it's not one of those friends who did, but they might be one of those friends who just gives you a little book like The Promises of God. The daily devotion of 365 days. Read the promises of God. You start reading the promises of God. Nothing wrong with that because, in fact, I encourage everyone to do that. Get hold of one of those promise books. There's a lot of promises of God, but then you start reading and thinking to yourself, well, where is mine? Where's my promises? Where's my good stuff? Because we get a bit like that sometimes, don't we? For the majority of the time, I'm looking at it and going, this is awesome. But then, you know, when you find something that's awesome in the Bible, and then you go, oh, I want that. I'm going to claim that promise. You know, and then you hear a good sermon, or you, you, you know, you get encouragement, you talk, whatever, and you go after the promise of God for your life. And you go, yeah, I'm going to go for that. And you really do. You put everything into it, you know. God, I want this for that, you know. Yeah, your promises are yesterday, man, God, I'm going after them. And then you're still waiting. Ten years later, you're still waiting for that one promise. And it might be that you've got all these other blessings in your life, but because this one promise is not being fulfilled, you can't focus on anything else. You know, I've seen people change lanes because their promises weren't fulfilled. I've seen people get out of church and give up altogether because their promises weren't fulfilled. And here's, the, here's where the rubber hits the road. It's actually real for us. 
so real that it affects our emotions, affects our thinking, affects our relationships, affects how we do life. And, and it can be tough. And there are some things that are so important to us that we, we almost put them in the non-negotiable category with God. God, if you don't come through with this, then I'm not going to believe in you. Most of us wouldn't, but you know what? Every now and then, even the most ardent Christian would find themselves in that category where they go, you know, God, if, if you don't do this, because your word says it, I've believed and I've done everything I know to do to get this in my life or in my circumstances, and if you don't come through, I'm done. I'm done with church, I'm done with it. You know what? I think a lot of people struggle with it. And I just want to be real about it. I think everybody, no matter who we are, have had moments like that in our life. Even if we haven't done it consciously, maybe we've done it subconsciously. We, we've, you know, I think we can all identify, yeah? Well, I've been processing this kind of stuff this week, feeling like that's the word for today. There's a bunch of scriptures I've got. I just want to, and I've got them written on my iPad, so I'm going to read them out, just one by one, look at a few things. But... What I felt like the Lord had been showing me, and I've been wrestling with this actually for a few weeks, kind of going, okay, because some of my sermons take a while to prepare and some sort of come all at once, you know. This one's been sitting there and I've got a file in my iPad which goes, sermons on, on, on writing. When you're working 50 hours a week, driving buses and so on like that, you sort of find you 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, you know, you might get lucky and have breakfast down. Uh, down at the beach one morning in between bus runs and you're sitting there but you've got your iPad and mostly it's my phone and I'm just working on stuff, you know, drinking a coffee, looking at the beach, not Oh, what about this, what about this? This one's been sitting there for a little while and then it came up to me this week and I thought, yeah, I think that needs to be spoken out this week. What are we waiting for? And how do we do it in a way that honest God and honors what he's doing in our life so that we can get where he wants us to go, where he's promised us that we can be. Well, there's a few things that I've, I've felt like the Lord showed me. And I like to be a little bit articulate at times, and so I've come up with three T words. The funny thing is two of them are exactly the same, so it's a bit boring, isn't it? So, <laughs> so one of the T words is timing, and the other T word is testing. But there's two types of timing. There's God's timing, and there's our timing, and then there's the testing. And I want to just go through those three things, because I think that'll help us. If we get it, then I think it'll make sense. So God's timing. How many people know that God's timing is perfect timing? We don't always like God's timing, though, do we? <laughs> it's like his timing doesn't always work out with our timing. Telling you now. There's some scriptures I love this. Um, a little bit challenging, but I love it. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Isn't it interesting that he says it twice in the one verse? Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Well, that's like, thanks for sharing that one, Paul. <laughs> well, it's a command, right? Just get that in your spirit. <laughs> Hosea, there's a few Old Testament scriptures here. Hosea 12, verse 6. Therefore, return to God, your God. Observe kindness and justice and wait for your God continually. 
Psalm 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers is... Sorry, oh, I love this. I'm going to read it slower and better. <laughs> Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. In other words, don't worry about the guy who's doing well and everything's going well for him. Just wait on God. Because God's timing is perfect. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose and his timing is perfect. Isaiah 30 verse 18. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Isn't that interesting? The Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits. Oh, that's interesting. That's turning it around. He longs to be gracious for you, and he waits. Hmm. We'll come back to that one, because that really fits in the... So you've got God's time, and then you've got our time. I think that falls into the second category there, doesn't it? We'll come back to that one. James 5, 7 and 8. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The father waits, sorry, the farmer. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. God's time. God has everything in plan for every single one of us. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows when is the right time to deliver his promise. And as the scripture says, he longs and he waits eagerly to deliver his blessing. You know, if we get, if we really get the heart of God, then we'll know that he's like a loving, loving father who longs to lavish on his kids. If we really get that. So sometimes I think our problem is that because we're not getting a promise fulfilled or we're not getting an answer to our prayer, we take a step back and we think, why doesn't God love me or why doesn't God want to bless me? Or, you know, and, and the reality is, is if we know him from Scripture, we'll know that that is not a fair question if we know him from Scripture. It's a fair question if we don't know him. You know how, how many times we sit down at times in our own minds, our own circumstances, and we process, what's this person thinking right now? What's this person's actions mean? Have you ever done that where you assume something about somebody? And how many times have you been wrong? And then we've acted on our assumption and assumed the worst or assumed something the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, where you sort of have the, and sometimes we like that with God. The problem is that if we really know God from the Word, and sometimes we forget, you know, we've been to Sunday school, we've read our Bibles, we've had our daily devotions, we've, we've read the, the 365 days of promises, you know, the, maybe we got the, the AM and the PM promise guide, you know, so you can read a promise in the morning and a promise in the evening every day for a year. There is one of those occurring, I think, about 16 months. But here's the thing. <laughs> we can know all the stuff and forget. Because our, our disappointment is so in our face right now that we can't even remember that God really does care for us. And maybe we're going through a whole process of what have I done wrong? 
that's where it comes down to our timing. See, there's God's timing, and God's timing is perfect. And you might think to yourself, okay, well, if it was just about God's timing, then I'm stuck because I don't know how to fix anything. I don't like this timing. Oh, you can. I don't like it. If this is about his timing, then I don't like it. And I'm going to be honest with God. God, I don't like your timing. It's not right. But see, the thing is, it might not be his timing, that's the issue. It might actually be your timing, that's the issue. So that's where we get to our second point. If God is eager, I'm going to go back and read that scripture, Isaiah. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are these, those who long after him. He longs to bless. So if he longs to bless and he's not blessing, where do you think the broken link is? It might be our time. It might be what's going on in us. It might be that he's waiting. It says here he's waiting for us. What's he waiting for? Maybe he's waiting for our part of the agreement. Have you ever noticed that every time there's a promise in the scripture, there's what some people might call a premise? A premise is, for those who aren't familiar with that word, is a pre-requirement for a promise to be fulfilled. Yeah? So if God says, um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayers and heal their land. I forgive their sins and heal their land. Yeah? So let's take, that's uh, 1 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, there's a lot of ifs in the Bible, and the ifs are there as a premise to a promise. Right? So the if is, if my people will humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways. Right? Now, how many people know that a lot of folk go, yeah, okay, I'll turn from my wicked ways, mostly. Um, I've done some praying. What about humbling yourself? Isn't it interesting that the, the phrase humble yourself is not God will humble you. In fact, you won't find that anywhere in the scripture that God will humble you. Except for when it says God humbles the proud. Does it even say that? That's what we think it is. No. God says every time it talks about humble, in our he always says, humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself. It's your act of humility. What is your act of humility? You know that if you go back and read the Hebrew and understand the culture, even the, you know, the, the Hebrew people would have certain um, days that were very prominent. And there was, every one of those days had an act of humility attached to it. Right? Except for the one feasting, you know, where they all come together and feast. And it was just a celebration. But God's not asking 
In fact, humility is the opposite. It's where you put your flesh into a submissive place before the Father. Fasting is the primary way of humility. So to humble yourself, what do you do? You fast. Usually that's your food. You know, Daniel humbled himself before the Lord 21 days before he got the answer to his prayer. You know, and you go through it. So there's a premise to the promise. If you go back and look through all the promises of God, there's a premise. Now what's God doing? He's waiting for us. It might be that he's waiting for character and before he can, you know, you might be waiting for promotion or a situation to change and you might be saying, well, you've got to change before I can change your situation. Because if I change your situation before you've changed, you'll mess it up because you're not ready for it. So that it might be the fact that God's timing is being halted simply because we're not ready for, you know, I've, I've been one of those people who genuinely, um, and you probably are aware if you've heard my preaching a fair while, I'm generally one of those people who self-assess a lot. And sometimes I speak out my self-assessment to my own, you know, hum- I wouldn't, it's not humility sometimes, it's, a, it's, just, it's a, um, to my own detriment, sometimes I'll share more than I should. Can I get into trouble sometimes, yeah? Because I self-assess. I don't think there's anything wrong with self-assessing as long as it's done for the right purposes. You, know, you have a look at your life. Now, as I self-assess, I realise, I look back at my life, and I've had moments, even this week, I've looked back at certain seasons of my life where, you know, I was an idiot. You know, I was an arrogant son, I said, hey, there's nothing like that. And then, because you, you look now, you think, well, why is this happening? Why is this happening? You think, oh, there's still some of character stuff going on. God, haven't we finished with that yet? No. Oh, man. You know? So sometimes it's all about our timing. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 15 to 21. says, be diligent and present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. And then he he uses two people as an example here of what um, not to do. He says, Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth. Isn't it interesting that not only did he publicly out a couple of people who were part of the church who'd done the wrong thing, but he wrote it down for the whole world for the rest of eternity to know about. It wasn't just, I'm just telling it from the pulpit. He's literally outed them for the rest of eternity. You know, these guys are like... And, and, but here's the thing, right? They might go away offended, but if they come back humble, they might actually save their life. Because what he's saying is they've turned from God and gone their own way. They were once in the church, they were once in the walking in the light, but they've turned their back. They've gone their own way, they've done their own thing. They're off doing their stuff and they're no longer walking with the Lord. Now, if they heard about it and turned and humbled themselves and prayed, they might have saved their life. But they might have gone off and said, no, blow you, I'm not going to 
don't have anything more to do with your church. I'm going back to synagogue. You know? <laughs> All right. That's straight concerning the truth, he says, saying that the resurrection has already passed. And they overthrow the faith of some. In other words, they're, they're basically spreading lies. Um, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, this is Paul talking to Timothy, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone whose names, who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will be a vessel for honour sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. He's not actually saying that they're no longer part of the house. He's just saying that Australia probably now gone from the category of being silverware down to Tupperware. No. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, that's it. That's it. They're, they've got a lesser... Lesser... Let's just, oh, I don't know. I'm not even going to say it. I might get myself into trouble. It's being recorded, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. What was that 2 Timothy verse again? Yeah, 2 Timothy 2, 15 to 21. And then Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. If your struggle against sin, sorry, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. Well, what he's saying is that there are those who struggle against sin to the point of shedding their blood. In other words, they're, they're the martyrs, yeah? If you're reading this, you haven't been martyred yet. That's what he's saying. <laughs> and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, right? Um, nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Isn't that a straightforward word, isn't it? If you're, if you're not disciplined by the Lord, you're illegitimate. If he doesn't pull you up on your behaviour, on your lifestyle, on the, the things that you're doing and say, hey, you've got to sort this out in your life. If he doesn't, if he just gives you all, what he's saying here is, if he just gives you all the promises of God without any kind of discipline, without any kind of chastening, without any kind of process of character development, then you basically you're an illegitimate child. It's just like Santa Claus just giving out, you know, presents. But a good father actually has the end result in mind rather than just a blessing. He wants to bless. We've read that. He loves to bless his kids, but he wants to fashion you into something that he's got in mind for the end result. And you, we're waiting, 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 waiting for something to come that's going to transform our life, the breakthrough we want, the, the thing that will get us where we're going to go. But without a little bit of sober-minded 
reflection on our life, we might never get to the point where we realise, oh, actually, my character has been a bit off. Maybe I do need a little bit of this or that. Maybe, maybe he's within his right to withhold his blessing while he's trying to get us into the, the place he wants to get us to. Why? Because what's coming is even greater than we can handle right now because of what's going on in our life. Now, that brings me to my last point. Testing, that's the other T. There's timing and testing. There's God's timing, which is always perfect. There's our timing, which is always about what's going on in our life. Our choices. Our responsibility and all that sort of stuff. And then there's testing. What is testing about? Well, testing is testing whether we're ready. It's simple. He tests all his kids. And oftentimes he tests you just before you're about to get a breakthrough. So... Do you know that when Jesus was brought out into the desert to be tested by the devil, tempted by the devil, it was the Holy Spirit who led him there. Yeah? You know that those three tests lined up very similarly to the stuff that Adam got tested with in the garden right in the beginning of time. And Jesus had to endure the test. And the interesting thing about the test was that it was at the end of 40 days of fasting. How many people know that when you fast, oftentimes you think, I should be stronger spiritually because I'm fasting. But you know what? Sometimes when you're emotionally and physically weak, you're actually weaker. Yes, you're spiritually heightened. But it can be, you can, you can get to the point where you go, oh, yeah. right in the middle of a fast, in the most spiritual time of your life, the devil will come knocking and he'll try real hard to get you to sin. He'll try real hard to get you to give up. He'll try real hard to get you to do the thing that you're actually trying to break. And you think to yourself, what on earth is going on? I've been fasting, I've been praying. And I've got this thought going through my head, which is exactly the thing that I'm trying to get breakthrough in. What's going on? It's really, it's just like Jesus in the desert. You're hungry. Well, why don't you just turn the stone into bread? Well, gee, that's a good idea. Have you thought of that one? You know? <laughs> but you see, the thing is, Jesus is hungry. There wouldn't have been a test if it wasn't actually an option. And he was so hungry, could have done it. You know? And so what happens when we're about to get someone we've never been before breakthrough? What happens when we're about to go into breakthrough? So we get a test. Why haven't many of us received their breakthrough? Keep failing the test. Keep failing the test. Simple, but it's profound at the same time. Because we don't often think of it like that. We actually think, no, I'm, I'm useless. I'm useless. This is all happening again. All the same circumstances all lined up. All the ducks are lined up in a row to get me. Oh, I might as well just give in. Might as well just go my own way. Might 
Sometimes I just throw it all away. You know what that is? It's like you're in that line for so long. And you go, no, I don't really want it anymore. I put it back on the shelf. This all goes. Now, yesterday, this is funny how God does this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, when Christy got up and changed the plug on the guitar, you know, and she saw a prophetic sign in that. I saw a prophetic sign yesterday because I go to McDonald's and I've got literally 12 minutes between my and I haven't had a coffee since the morning. I know I'm doing a long shift yesterday, right? And it's about 5 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm hanging for a coffee. So I go in and I to order myself a coffee. But they've got one young girl, so I've got 14 years of age, only just learning the thing, and they haven't got anyone looking at And I'm looking around the corner and I notice that she's putting you know, chocolate sprinkles on it, it's got about three or four cups, and then she pulls out two mugs, I think of mugs, okay, those mugs are going to start to be sitting down, so it's got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, it's got about nine, and I don't see the size that I wanted anywhere in that big lineup. I'm thinking, she's taken a long time just to get those two done, and I'm looking at the clients thinking, I've got to get on the bus in three minutes now, I've been waiting at seven, and it took me three minutes to get from the bus to, I'm thinking, I'm going to be late. You know what I mean? I walked back to the counter, good old Pastor Paul, uh, excuse me, I wasn't angry. I was very, uh, uh, can I have one later? I can't wait that long. <laughs> With the emphasis on, I can't wait that long. <laughs> it was like, not very late. But I didn't say to the 14 year old guy, I just said to the manager, I said, I've been waiting for a while and I need to drive my bus. I didn't afford it, what they did back then. <laughs> so he just did, and I just walked back to my bus. She was probably about to do my cup or something stupid like that, you know. But then I thought about this message, I thought, this is exactly the way it is. We've been waiting, 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 and we think time's up. And we're not going to get what we want, so we just go, no, like that, don't want it anymore. And sometimes it's like that, isn't it? But God's testing us. You say, well, God doesn't test us. Yes, he does. It's all through the Bible, testing us. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. James 1, 2-3. 1 Peter 4, 12-13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than God, that, that perishes though, sorry, this is hard to read, I'll start again. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through the, though, that's why I couldn't read it, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Christ. The tested genuineness of your faith. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts. There's a place. Do not be anxious 
Do not get out of line. Do not run away from God. But it's just trust. It's all going to work out. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and call according to his purposes. However, maybe Paul should have just put it, however, just at the end of that verse, because we love to quote that verse. However, if you're not doing what Daddy asks you to do, don't expect him to give you what he asks you to give you. That's that. That's kind of the however that I would <laughs> possible way to make way of putting it. But here's the thing. God longs to bless us. He longs to give us the promises. We can read these 365 promises all year long and get all excited about it. But what about what God's doing in us to prepare us for what he wants to do through us? His sons, he chastens us, he gets us ready. He channels his favor upon us when we participate with what he's doing as a son. We, I've said this before and I'll probably wrap up with this thought and come back to one more scripture. We've got a young guy living with us who... Um, been living on the streets for four years and it's a challenge for him to shift from street thinking to home life thinking and from gutter thoughts to God thoughts. It's a, it's a challenge, it's a stretch. He's turned 18 during the week, um, last week, and Sheik uh, and I are constantly having little chats with him about how to, you know, even just getting up in the morning. Which, when you're on the street, you don't have to. I mean, unless someone comes and kicks your apartment. He's usually couch surfing someone's place, and most of his friends are all night hours anyway. And because he used to be into drugs and alcohol, that sort of thing, which he's, you know, thankfully he's shifted. But we had that chat the other day, and I said, you know, you're shifting from living a lifestyle, which is really um, a lifestyle that hurts you. full of bad consequences for your actions to a lifestyle which is reasonably normal, reasonably normal, for someone who's not really safe. Because he hasn't shifted, he's shifted from that lifestyle to this lifestyle, but he hasn't shifted to a God-centered lifestyle yet. And he's learned. And the thing is, we can we can compare ourselves to the people of the world and at any different place. Like, he could compare himself to me, he could compare himself to Chef, he could compare himself, if he compares himself to the other kids his age. He's actually doing reasonably well right now. But I keep saying, you know, God's got this plan and purpose for your life and you're going to have some challenges. And I'm going to sit down with you every now and then and give you some hard chats. You know what, sometimes God wants to do that with us too. He just wants to sit down with us and have a little chat. Hey, if you don't sort this area of your life out, if you don't sort this area of your life out, you're going to do the same thing. And madness, they say, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different response or a different reaction or a different answer. 
So what's going to have to shift? We're going to have to shift. And that's what growing up in the Lord is about. So shifting from one season to another season to another season. Maybe the last season of your life has been a tough one. And if you look at it, you go, ooh, yeah, there has been a test. Now, don't get all beat up on yourself if you fail the test. Because you probably didn't know you were in one. There's not a lot of preachers these days who preach about tests. A lot of the time we don't even know that we're in them. Because we've forgotten that that's how God works. So, let me encourage you. Don't get all beat up on yourself if you, if you fail something. Just go, okay, let me learn from that. And be ready for the next one. Alright? Now, I'm in, I'm not going to say too much about it, but I'm in a season of prayer and fasting. Alright? And I know what I'm talking about when it comes to try and get a breakthrough and then finding that the devil comes knocking on your door. It's a test. Pass the test. In the past, I probably wasn't even aware that that was even possible. I just thought, no, nah, I'm useless. I'm having all these stupid thoughts again. Might as well just give up. But this time around, I've got a completely different mindset. And I keep saying to God, God, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm not walking away. I'm not giving I'm not letting it go. I'm going after it. I'm believing you. And I'm going to get through it. And if my character has to change, it'll change. And I'm ready for it this time. And I'm telling you now, it's going to, it's going to, like, no matter how tough it gets, I just, I've got to keep going. And I'm just telling you that you're going to be facing a situation just like that. But it's going to be you related, not me related, not your neighbour related, not the person who gets it all together related and has the dream house and the dream job and the dream suburb, the dream holiday. <laughs> it's not like that. It's you. It's your life. It's your relationship with God. It's what God is doing in you. It's got nothing to do with anybody else. So you don't have to worry about whether the person next to you's got it all together, whether they're getting blessed, whether the promises of God are landing on their head or not. It doesn't matter. You might get a little jealous and you might see that line go on a little bit quicker than yours, but stay the course. Because if you jump lanes now, breakthrough might be just around the corner of the next test. Watch the test. Will you love? cashier, even though she messes up three people's stuff before you, then when you get there, suddenly you realise that God had you in that lane because he wanted you to show that person a little bit of love and kindness, but they had a really tough day. Now that's the cashier, Mr. Story. But what about your life? You don't know what the end result is of your waiting until you've waited to see what the end result of your waiting is. You don't know what the end result of your test will be until you've actually pushed through and said no. Even as Paul says, you haven't, I, f I find that challenging, but you haven't resisted sin to the point of shedding blood. Wow, that's, that's, that's passing a test, isn't it? You know, I've heard people say, oh yeah, but when they come and they point the gun at your head and they say, do you believe in Jesus? Just say no, and you live. And then later on you pass the forgiveness or you didn't pass the test. Could you
delivered himself. Now, of course, Peter did exactly that and God forgave him, didn't he? Denied Jesus three times. So God's the God of grace. Hallelujah. We failed the test. We'll get another one. But we just might go around that same mountain a whole bunch of times before we get to the next place. Peter got his test. Failed, failed, failed. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, in restoring him, came up and said, Peter, do you love me? Yes. You know I love you, Jesus. Feed my sheep. Then he said it to him again. Then he asked him again. Three times he asked him. Isn't it interesting that he asked him three times in relation to the fact that he denied him three times? Restoring him. If you've failed the test, just go to the Father, get on your knees and say, God, I've failed the test. You put an opportunity for me to rise up and go forward. I failed. I'm sorry. Let's go again. But don't expect him to go, yeah, okay, now you've got your breakthrough just because you apologize. No, he goes, okay, cool. And then the test will come again. The same hardship will come before you and you're going to pass it. This time, you'll be wiser and you'll be ready. You might have to fast and pray to get through it. Yeah? Luke 18, 27, last verse, and I mentioned it earlier. But he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Isn't that good? What's impossible with us is not impossible with God. It's possible. All things are possible for them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, you know our story, you know our journey, you know where we're at. You know where we're at in, in that queue, waiting for our breakthrough, waiting for our blessing. Some of us may not, may not get it in this life, and we may, we may be stuck. We may not know how to get out, we may not have the courage, the fortitude, or the stamina to resist sin, or resist whatever it is we need to resist, or change, or shift, or say no to whatever the devil's put in front of us. But we know that your God, your timing is perfect, God. We know that you'll get the job done. Maybe we've slipped from gold status to Tupperware status. Lord, you say that you don't chase from those who are not your sons. So, we submit ourselves to you again and declare ourselves as sons of God, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we will accept whatever you need to do in us to get us where we need to go, where we long to go, where your promises declare that we can go as kingdom warriors and ambassadors on this earth. So Father, we pray right now that any person who has struggled, has feel, felt lost, has felt like a failure, has felt like, I can't do this, has given up more times than they can count, has changed lanes so often that they can't even remember what lane they started in. I pray, Father God, that your, your grace and your peace and your mercy and your love will just flow over them right now. Even those who might be listening to this on a podcast, just that your love might just penetrate their, their surrounds their mind, their body, their emotions might just receive a peace infusion right now to know 
Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.